0: Thanks for listening to Park You on the go. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors around here, and I'm excited for you today because as we continue our series called Rebuild about the amazing story of a man named Nehemiah, I believe we're all going to learn something fresh and new about how to follow Jesus in the world. But before we jump into that, I want to pass along some info to all of our families with young kids who live in the Chicagoland area. We are excited to announce that we are opening our new Parkview Daycare at the Orland Park Campus. The doors of our daycare facility open on September 8th, but we are currently taking registrations. And I'll tell you, spaces are filling up fast. So check out parkviewchurch.com daycare to find out more and to register your kids all sorts of fun stuff happening at and through Parkview right now. In fact, because you're not at a physical Parkview location, you get the opportunity to be the church in some very unique ways. And I'll talk more about that at the end of our time together. And like I said before, I'm excited for you and for the ways that God is going to stretch us and get us moving in a new direction. So thanks for hanging out with us today. Enjoy the Parkview on-the-go experience.
1: Doors again, let the King of glory in His kingdom will never end. Oh, I know that You are good. Break the darkness with the light. All the earth that praise arise. Every dead place come alive. Oh, I know that you are good. Yes, I know that you are good. You will have my hallelujah. You will know the highest name and all too. my life.
2: Hey, Parkview. Uh, I just want to tell you, I know, I mean, it's still, we're in this place where nobody knows what's going on, but had such a great elders meeting this week. Just our team is spiritually focused. Uh, We don't have the answers to anything either, really, any more than anybody does, but uh, just the vision and the mission and and where we're going, and and, I mean, very exciting. I'm excited to be with you. Nehemiah is making me excited. I, I feel like this is like, this is what we're supposed to be about. But let me start with my exciting announcement. I know you don't care. Um, but I can't see you roll your eyes at me, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Grandchild number six is on the way, and this time my baby is having a baby. Becca and Andy are having their first, and uh, he finally got it figured out, okay? I mean, if you heard me on Father's Day, I, I you know, gave him a hard time, threw him under the bus for not procreating yet. And uh, actually, I knew they were already pregnant, so that made it even more fun. They live in Orange County, California. So, you know, I got another one far away. She's a pastor at Mariners Church, and he runs a seniors' health and training business. And we're very excited for little Timmy to be born. That's all I can say. Actually, grandchild six and seven are on the way because Tommy and Lauren in Ventura, California, are in the process of adoption. So, who knows what life is going to be about. Uh, You know, I mean, just when you think you should downsize your house, maybe you should rebuild. Oh, you see how I did that there? Yeah, work it right into the series. That's the series we're doing. Um, we're talking about Rebuild, and, and many of us are in the process right now, because of the pandemic and everything else, of rebuilding, and we don't even know what that's going to look like. When these external forces have, have come into our life and torn things down, and now we've got to start over. And here's the good news. God can use your life and your circumstances to make something amazing. I'll catch you up to speed on Nehemiah. The story is mostly about the rebuilding of a city and a church, which is really the city within the city, the city of God inside the bigger city that goes on around us. Jesus told us to be the light of the world, and that's what we're supposed to be about, just like what we're doing at Parkview. Jesus said, you are the light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, okay? Jesus says that there should be a city full of people, a church that brings the light of Jesus to the people of the world. That should be in the middle of it all. And that's what Nehemiah wants to build, a city within a city, okay? But the problem is, in Nehemiah's case, is that the city has no light. The light has been broken down. Okay. And it has been for 141 years. So God gives Nehemiah this vision for the broken city and the broken church. And he goes into four months of praying and fasting and planning, asking God to give him insight into what he should do to make a difference. So we get to chapter two. All right. In the month of Nisan, uh, yes, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. (laughs) This is so good. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart, okay? So, So this is so great because what you need to understand is that it's against the law to be sad around the king. Okay, I think this is a good rule, don't you? You can't be sad before the king. How are you doing, the king says. Well, I'm great, I'm glad to be here. I love my cubicle and that smelly guy that shares it with me. How are you doing, sir? I mean, you need this rule at your home right now during COVID summer, don't you? Hey, new rule, can't be sad in my presence. I was very much afraid, Nehemiah said, but I said to the king, May the king live forever, always butter him up. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Okay, don't miss this. He prayed again. Four months of praying, and then he prayed again because he basically had two choices, pray or soil yourself, okay? And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, pay attention, well, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? Okay, all right. He had already said they weren't supposed to do this, okay? And Nehemiah goes in and he's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna take my chances. I'm gonna look sad. I'm gonna break the law by looking sad. And I'm gonna ask you if you will let me do something I'm not supposed to do. So why do you think it's got that little thing in there where Nehemiah says, with the queen sitting beside me? Well, think about it. If Nehemiah is close to the king, as we talked about last week, he's also probably close to the queen, all right? And everybody knows if you want something, well, who did you go to when you wanted something as a kid? Did you go to mom or dad? Most of us, it was mom. Dad would say, finish it, are your arms broken? Yes, exactly. So here are the qualities of a person that God uses from last week, and I want to go on and show you this going forward. First of all, someone who cares, all right? Someone who cares. It's got to be somebody who cares that the city is broken down. That's how the whole thing has to go. Number two, it's someone who prays. Don't do anything before you pray about what you're doing. And number three was someone who is willing, someone who is willing to go. Are your arms broken? I imagine God asking Nehemiah, and he does. Look at the king's question. It leads us to the next quality, okay? How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Uh, He didn't just pull a time out of his hat, he had a plan. He thought it through, okay? So quality number four is someone who is prepared. You've got to have a plan. Now, this is really, really, really important, okay? You've got to have a plan. A little three-year-old boy was sitting on the toilet one day, and his mother thought he'd been in there a really long time, and she went to check on him, see what was going on. She, she saw him sitting on the toilet, and every once in a while, he'd take a book, and he'd whack himself on the head. And he couldn't even read. He just had the book there. And his mom says, Billy, are you all right? You've been in there for a long time. And Billy says, Yeah, I'm fine, mommy. And she said, Okay, well, you can stay in here a few more minutes, but why do you keep hitting yourself on the head? And he said, Well, it works for ketchup. You had a plan, okay? Do you have a plan? I, 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 I wanna lose weight, I want to make more money, I want to finish college, I wanna get married, I wanna buy a house, I, I wanna do ministry, I wanna help people grow for Christ, I wanna change the world. Well, what's your plan, Stan? Well, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just praying about it. Okay, all right, prayer's good, that's, that's up there, but prayer should lead to a plan. As soon as the king asked Nehemiah, what's your plan? Nehemiah just starts rattling off his plan because during the three or four months of prayer, he wasn't just praying, he was also sketching out a plan. And when I hear Christians say things like, well, I'm just trusting the Lord or, you know, I, I, always, I always say, okay, I want to dig a little bit here um, because that sometimes means well, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm too lazy to figure it out. Listen, I know none of us have a clue during this virus thing, okay? And churches don't. And we're all over the place with it, and I get it. And the deal with Parkview is that There are about as many Major League Baseball teams in the country as there are churches our size, okay? Which means, like, literally, we're in a different kind of a league, which gives us a unique opportunity, but it also gives us some super unique problems. Obviously, more people to get into places. So we're spending all the time and energy that we would have used doing church the old way, trying to figure out how to do church the new way. And of course, we're gonna come back and meet again, but we're trying to figure this out with a plan. And every church ought to be doing the same thing. So what is your plan for your thing, that thing that God put in your heart? Caring about it is great, that's not enough. Praying about it is great, it's not enough. Being willing is great, but it's not enough. You need a plan. Here is Nehemiah's plan. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah, okay? That's code for I need a passport, all right? Diplomatic passport, that's what I need. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city, okay? Follow me here, okay? This is my interpretation. Dear king, I want to take a paid leave of absence for probably like a year, and and I want to go rebuild the walls that you decreed previously should never be rebuilt. And, and I want you to give me safe passage letter to you know get through on the way, and also I'd like for you to pay for it. I mean I'm guessing Nehemiah didn't wear a bike helmet when he was a kid, you know, because this is this is really crazy, and and. and Here's a more modern analogy, okay? Nehemiah is a, a guy who is essentially the head of the kitchen at the White House, all right? Let me put it in modern terms, okay? That's where he is. One day, he's making the president a hoagie, and and the president looks at him, he says, hey, you look kind of bummed out, how come? And, and he says, well, I don't like your foreign policy in the Middle East. I, I feel like the, the way you've handled the whole Israel thing is just really jacked up, and I would like to be the new ambassador, and I would like for you to send me to Israel, and I would also like to be a as the person to negotiate the peace talks and, and and rebuild the city and I'd like for you to pay for it It's the kitchen guy okay and, and I know you said that you know I'm, I'm not I'm, you're not really down with that foreign policy thing but I think you were wrong and I want you to go on CNN and Fox and you know and, and, and say my foreign policy was wrong and I'm sending the kitchen guy with a bunch of money and he's going to fix it does that help you? either Nehemiah believes in God, or he needs medication, or maybe both like me, okay? But here it is. The key right here is, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. How does that happen? Well, because God is like, God. The proverb writer said, "The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord; he directs it like a river wherever he pleases." Every ruler is under the control of God. I, I'm not saying that the election is not important. I know it's crazy right now. I'm saying that God is in control. Okay. I'm saying that God's sovereignty is never up for a vote. Can Can you just pretend like you're giving me an amen? Okay. God's sovereignty is never up. For a vote, I think it's important that we are a part of the process. I, I, I really, really do. Okay, and I don't know how to advise you in any of that, but this is the thing that I know. That doesn't mean there won't be problems. It's usually people problems, and on we go. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites, okay? We're gonna spend more time on this later on, Um, but, but the fifth quality of someone who God uses, cares, prays, willing, prepared, is someone who perseveres. Just understand, even if you're doing God's will, listen to me carefully, Just understand, even if you're doing God's will and are using God's resources, there will be criticism. (laughs) Some people have the gift of discouragement, you know? They're just very good at using that gift. And it's amazing because the first thing Nehemiah receives is opposition. And the reason these guys don't like him is because they're kind of influential leaders from the other towns around there is that they don't want God's people to have a church or to get together to worship. Okay, preach it, PT. This is the perfect place for me to tell you that those leaders who are keeping churches from meeting together are Horonites. I love that. That's just a good word, isn't it? They're Horonites. That, that's even, you know, a fun word for you to use on social media. No, please don't. I don't believe that, however. I, I don't believe that the people that are telling us we can't meet are Horonites. I don't believe that our religious freedom is being taken away from us. I still disagree with those of you and those out there who think that they are the they, okay, and that we shouldn't be meeting or that we shouldn't be singing because they are trying to take away the freedom of religion from those of us who live in the United States of America. I have, I have some friends in that camp and at different times during the pandemic. I've started to wonder the same thing, and I have to admit that I think the Supreme Court. I disagree with the decision in Nevada because Nevada was allowing casinos to have people and not churches. Okay, so that's messed up. I I agree with that. It, you know, it's like whoever decided that liquor stores were essential businesses, but hair salons were not were bald alcoholics. That's all I can say. But but if you know me at all, uh, you know that. If I believed that our religious freedom was being taken away from us, I would be fighting against it. Fighting against the establishment is my favorite thing to do, any chance I get, okay? I can't wait to do that. I will paint my face half blue, and I will stand up and say, they will never take our freedom, but, but, but I can't argue this religious freedom thing unless they're restricting churches alone. And the fact that it's crowds in general, the fact that we can't even play contact sports in Illinois now for the rest of the year, this is not about horror nights, okay? There was a survey recently I saw, I think it was on Yahoo, who asked people if they're ready to go back to Major League Baseball parks. And only 10% said they were comfortable with it. 50% said, no way. And you know, those people in between are Cub fans. So, the, you know, how do you do that? At this time, um, at the time that they open up, you know, concert venues and athletic venues and try to keep the churches closed, then I'll paint my face blue and we'll go Spider Monkey, okay? And, uh, you know, I'm not being a wussy, so don't call me Dr. Quinn or Medicine Woman, all right? Let's go on. But when Sanballat the Horonite, you have to say it that way, and Tobiah the Ammonite and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. You see what happened? In the matter of a few days, the critics have started growing in number. They had Larry and Curly, and now they've added Mo. Please take a moment and explain the Three Stooges to your children, and guys, explain Ricky Bobby to your wife for the Dr. Quinn reference. Okay, opposition is growing. Seven times in Nehemiah, we find a formula. The work advances, something good happens, and then comes the phrase, when they heard some members of the opposition hear and there is more trouble. When they heard, you know, about they, every single advance that he makes is met by opposition. Every time he makes a little bit of headway, there is more trouble along the way. And I don't know about you, but that that seems illogical to me. I'm thinking if I'm working for God, life ought to be easy, right? If I try to do a good thing, I ought to get credit for it. And it ought to be easy. But instead, it's a battle, and I could tell you a whole lot of stories. But think about it this way. No soldier ever goes into battle and says, hey, they're shooting at me, those are real bullets. I'm out, I wasn't expecting real bullets. No football player goes into a game and says, hey, wait a minute, they're trying to tackle me. This is the way things go, okay? So the people who are the real enemies of God's work have their own agendas, and you know they realize that rebuilding the church is a bad idea. So, how should we respond? This is why I love Nehemiah. I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success, you Horonites. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, buzz off. You have no right, no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. In other words, Horonites, you try whatever you want, but it's God's plan. The reason that Nehemiah's plan could not be stopped by a few enemies is because it was God's plan. It couldn't be stopped by a king because it was God's plan. So focus on that and persevere. Whatever that thing is, whatever that thing that God gave you to do, whether, whether it's work on your relationship with God or your marriage or your family or to rebuild, whatever it is that you're working on, focus on that and persevere. Because listen, there's gonna be opposition. This pandemic has thrown all of our schedules out of whack and, and it's made it easy for us to miss out on the things that are normal. But you have to decide what the priorities are. Uh, But PT, I I don't have time. But PT, uh, you know, there's so much to do. Listen, it doesn't matter. What's important is gonna show up in your priorities. It's gonna show up on your calendar. It's gonna show up in your checkbook. Okay, just take a look at those two things and figure out where your priorities are. You need to plan and you need to persevere. That's what we're talking about today. And, And let me point out something about a verse I skipped over earlier. God gave him more than he asked for. Listen to this, okay? Here's what what it says in verse nine of chapter two. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates. Remember, he asked for this. And I gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. The king gave him passage, that thing he asked for, and he paid for the whole thing, that thing he asked for, and... An armed escort, okay? He hadn't asked for that, but God gave him more. Why would he do that? Because God is God. Because now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, is a verse that all of us ought to take to heart as we rebuild I know we're worried and nervous about what the other side of this looks like, but he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Nehemiah thought that if he really pushed it by asking for all that stuff, but God gave him even more. So, Andy Stanley, think back for a minute. Can you remember one Bible story in which the responsibility of figuring out how a divine vision would be fulfilled fell to the men or women to whom God gave that vision? Did Moses have to come up with a way to get the Israelites out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the desert? Was it David's responsibility to figure out how to get Saul out of the way so he could ascend the throne? When Jesus told the apostles to feed 5,000, were they responsible to figure out how to make the five loaves and two fish go that far? Were the disciples responsible for figuring out how to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world? No, of course not. In every situation, God orchestrated the events in such a way that those involved recognized the thumbprint of God. These are ordinary men and women who just did what they knew to do while never losing sight of the vision God had birthed in their hearts. So it is with us. Once God puts something in our hearts for us to do, we lock in on what he has called for us to do. Our responsibility is to do what we know to do and let him fill in the blanks. And that's the story of Parkview. Uh, people always ask me, "Tim, did you see all this Park, this stuff that Parkview is now?" And when I got here 30 years ago, I couldn't have seen it because there was no model to do church that looked like what we are in its size and in its scope, uh, multi-site. That didn't happen. And online, there was barely a worldwide web in 1990. It was the world skinny web, believe me. Uh, it, God has used all of this and made all this happen because he filled in the blanks. And guess what? I'm pretty sure that whatever church looks like after the pandemic is gonna be the same. I'm really, I'm really sure of that. Nehemiah did what he could do And God did what he could do. And in the end, it all worked out exactly the way that it was supposed to. Because the how is God's specialty, okay? He knows how to reach your husband or your wife or your boss or your neighbor. He knows how to protect your children even through their anxiety that's going on right now. He knows how, how to get your prayer group started. He he knows how to get your business back or or your new business venture off. He knows how to help you pay for school. He knows how to get you over your hurt. He knows how to put your marriage back together because this quarantine has been rough being together all this time. He knows that, you know, the, how to get that ministry started. He knows how the church is going to go forward and be turned around. Let me just give you an example. Some of you have been knows, know that we took the, the country of Malawi uh, for the peace plan for Saddleback Church. Rick Warren asked us to do this and and we took Malawi. And I remember back in the day when we were doing it, it was like 2015, we were praying for the 2019 election, because we knew that we had an Assembly of God pastor that was a friend of ours and of Christianity's and was a, a good leader that was going to run in the 19 election. And the 19 election happened, and it was typical African politics. I'm not making this up. People were using whiteout to change the ballots. I mean, you want to think we've got problems or hanging chads. They were literally using whiteout. And so for the first time ever on the continent of Africa, a country overturned that election because that election, which was tainted the wrong way, was obviously not right. And um, they reran it. And I'm very proud to tell you that Dr. Lazarus Jacara is now the president of Malawi. And the first thing he did as president of Malawi was ask the country to do three days of prayer and fasting and turn back to the Lord. The king is a river in God's hands. But man, it helps when the king is also a follower of that God. It's just stuff I can't make up for you. So let me wrap up with a scripture that I want to wrap up with every week. I think it's the theme of Nehemiah 1.10. Lord, he prays, and I'm praying this for you. These are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servants success today by granting us favor. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks again for joining us. I mentioned earlier that you have some opportunities to be the church right where you are, and here is one of them. You have the chance to do something for families in Chicagoland who are getting their kids ready for the upcoming school year by participating in our annual Pack the Backpack Drive. On August 8th, by delivering donations to our physical locations or by donating online, you can be the church by providing school supplies to families who could really use the help right now. So go to parkviewchurch.com slash pack the backpack to find out more information. And again, the date for that is August 8th. You don't want to miss out. Thanks for checking out another Parkview on-the-go experience. God bless.